This is your Kini's student radio station. It's 6pm, good evening. On tonight's show, JCRC results are out for almost every college. We've got all the details of the new committees. We'll also be joined live by three of the new college chairs later on to talk about their plans for the year. Also tonight, what would you say if you found out people were rating your hotness online judged on your Facebook profile picture? To be honest, a bit sick in order to be objectifying people like that and it really promotes the wrong sort of image. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little bit chuffed in a strange story. I mean, it's can understand why some people would be less pleased. Rate Mash, a new website, has caused a stir around the country for using students' Facebook pics without their permission to create leaderboards based on their appearance. But are students bothered? We'll be investigating later. Plus, last week was Alcohol Awareness Week. We'll take a look back at how UC promoted the week with President Callum Taylor. And also, the York Feminists marched in town last weekend in Reclaim the Night. You are we there? Here are our reports later. And Mitch, of course, will be here with all your sports news. All that and lots more to come in between now and seven. First, though, your latest UOI news headlines with Rachel Venables. UOI News Hour with Ben Basin. Thank you very much, Rachel. Welcome to the UOI News Hour. It's four minutes past six. Now, last week saw students throughout the university voting for who they wanted to represent them on a college level. And now we have new JCRCs in all but two of the colleges. Well, UOI's Karis Brain is here in the studio now with a rundown of all of the results. Karis. Thanks, Ben. Yes, the last two weeks have seen candidates for all the college JCRCs busy campaigning. They've been rallying their Facebook friends for support, putting up posters and talking to potential voters to convince them that their policies are the best. Voting closed on Friday and all but two colleges have revealed their results. Well, we've got to wait until this Friday to hear what the committee lineup will look like for Halifax and Alquim. All the other JCRCs have been announced. Just to look at a few of the college results, uh, Derwent College results came out within hours of voting closing and Ben Leatham is their new chair. Leatham's competition was tough, but he came out on top with 198 votes. That's 80 more than second place candidate Alistair Walker. Overall, the turnout for the Derwent chair votes, however, was slightly lower than last year. Goodrick's new chair is Tara Anderson, who beat off the competitors Michael Mitchell-Salter and Connor Bennett. Her JCRC will be headed alongside Welfare Vice Chair Scott Dawson and Services Vice Chair Saul Renison. UOI's very own George Lane came a close second to Michael Duncan in the race for Bamber Chair, which saw six candidates in initially going for the position. Jessica Keir takes on the position of treasurer in a year which will see Vambra continue to recover from previous financial difficulties. So I guess now we'll just have to see how the year goes for all the chairs and their JCRCs. OK, Karis, well, thank you very much indeed. Well, I'm really pleased to say that we're joined in the studio now by three of the new college chairs. And um, we've got Michael Duncan, um, who's from Bamber, uh, Gareth Dubiek, um, as that, am I saying your name right, Gareth? No, you're not. But no, I'm, I'm not sorry. So <laughs> um, and we've got uh, Ben Lethan from Derwent. So welcome to UOI, guys. Thank oh, you very much for coming you. in. So um, you all must be pretty pretty relieved now that the Titus campaigning is over, are you? Yeah, relieved and apprehensive, I think, at the same uh-huh. time. So busy already, literally. Everything's really? happening already. So no stopping after campaigning, no rest. It's all started already. Brilliant. Well, congratulations on getting your positions, everyone. Um, so you are now all the key figures in changing your college for the better over the next year. So how are you going to go about it? Uh, do, you want to, do, we, do you want to start with you, Michael? Yeah, of course. I think the role of the chair, I think we'd all agree, is it's someone, it has to be a figurehead. It's someone people know, someone that can unite the college and really be a, a central figure. I know in my college in Vanbrook, we have so many great things we do. We have a discount scheme. We have things in... Uh, uh, in sport, in music, and there's so much that we that we do really well, but none of it's tied together enough at the moment. So that's why I really sit wanted to do as chair. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Gareth, um, what are your main priorities for James? Um, I think I've I've said before in, in my campaign, I really want to make it a community spirited place, and I think the only place you can make it community is if you can involve them, um, which I think is something in the in the past that hasn't been as strong as it could have been. Um, so I'm very much about going around the kitchens and talking to everybody and trying to get, which is a more difficult job, but trying to get to second and third years and finding out what they want because I don't see running a community if with, with events and stuff if they don't want that and I think it's very important that everyone feels they're involved in the JSRC it's not just a team of you know the team that we have mm-hmm. it's the college okay so so Ben how about Joe and what, what, what are your go- yeah, main goals agree. for the year um, JCRC is about making sure everyone knows who we can come to and what the JCRC is so we want to make sure Everyone knows who the chair is, who the vice chairs are, who they they know who to go to if they have issues or want to talk about things they can do in Derwent. 
Um, but mainly I just want to work with the committee and make sure that everyone on the committee has a great year. I'll support them and make sure they have a sense of achievement and they actually do what they want to do this year. Because um, they ran with it because they obviously have aspirations for Derwent and they know what they want Derwent to be in their specific role. So I just want to work with them and make sure that happens. Mm -hmm. Okay, so quite a few of you mentioned the uh, visibility of the JCRC and knowledge of what they are is quite important. Do you think that college politics is big enough on campus? Do you think people care about it enough? I think personally, um, within the James College, it's not it's not as strong as it should be, and I think that's due to advertising. Um, with my campaign, I was very much going around telling people what was going on, and once it was more advertised, people are now very keen to be joining um, our team, and it's, it's not a secret. We had quite a low turnout on people who wanted to, to fill those positions. Um, soon, talking after these people, um, saying what's available, what your job would be, we're having a, an event on Friday trying to fill those positions. And people are emailing just like in the, you know tens tens of people mm -hmm. all, like every hour, which is really great to see because it shows that people care about their college. Mm -hmm. like, so it's, yeah, it's almost annoying that people get or interested in it after elections before they knew they could run. I mean, I was talking to people before um, before the elections, going around. Do you know what the JCRC is? You know, their elections coming up, and they had no idea. That's that's ridiculous because we're the people, we're the students that represent them in the college. They should know who to mm -hmm. go to and and who, who they can ask for help and stuff. I think it's true, and I think there's also a, a danger that we really have to be careful of, is that it's the sort of thing can very easily be seen as a bit of a clique after a while, that there's the JCLC off there doing their own thing. And as, we, as we've all said, it's really important that people feel like they know who we are and feel like they can talk to us so that we can actually make a difference to their lives rather than being seen as some distant organisation that doesn't matter. How are you going to go about that? How are you going to make um, sort of dispel the view that there's just a clique that gets involved with the JCRC. Well, one of the things I promise is that I'm going to go to every kitchen at least once every term, and that sounds like a small thing, but it's the sort of thing where people should know the chair, they should be able to say, hey, what's going on with this? And it'd be really critical if that's necessary, but if you don't have that relationship in the first place, you're never going to get anywhere. Last year, no one knew when our don't meetings were really, I don't think. So making sure people know when meetings are and we have open meetings they can come to, they can chat about things, just so it's more open and friendly and that everyone knows who we are. I mean, I completely agree. I think it's just footwork. It's you know you have to go around and talk to everybody, and that's 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 the key thing that's worked so far. And if you don't involve them, then they're not going to care. So obviously, all, all you guys are now college chairs. Um, how are you going to combat all of these important issues that we've been talking about, and not become distracted by your new BNOC status? Because obviously, you know you're going to get quite a quite a lot of attention now that you're chair of, of your college. How, how are you going to combat these issues and and, and not focus on the BNOC side Always of things? Always bring it back to the college. I mean, make sure if there's a tension, you say, "Done this for Derwent. Done this for for the purpose of something." I mean, the fact that. People in Derwent need to know who we are, or the people in our college need to know who we are. That's that's always the point, so they know who they can go to. I mean, it all you just need to bring it back to the college and make sure you always have the college interest at heart. I think that's what we like. That's what we elected for, and that's what we need to do. I'm sure we're working with you and with our colleges and together as well to make sure that everything that we do can we, we everyone knows the best way to do it, so that everyone can, can actually achieve things and make a difference rather than just spend a year talking. Mm -hmm. I mean, we are there, we are there for the students, aren't we? At the end of the day, and. There's no point running stuff that doesn't want to be run, and you have to. Keep, I think you have to keep grounded on that in that respect. Mm -hmm. Okay, so obviously um, the position of chair, quite at the moment, quite a male-oriented oriented job. Um, obviously, the three that we've chosen today are all, all men. Do you think there's enough um, women in cam in campus politics and specifically college politics? Do, do we need to be encouraging girls to, to run for positions? Um, personally, in James, we do have quite. I would say um, it's probably more women orientated have gone for the positions, which is great. Um, and especially with people who, who will be seeing on Friday, it's just a real mixture. I, I, we haven't seen a, a dominance of either, which is nice. The past two years at Durham have both been female chairs. Um, on my committee, there's a whole range. You know, our vice welfare is female, our vice um, ENTs are both male. You know, there's a huge mixture and it hasn't even come up as an issue because it's it's obviously not one in Derwent. Mm -hmm. Yes, likewise, I think, we, I think more than half of my committee is going to be female, um, which, is, which is great, I suppose, for, for college politics, but it's, at the end of the day, that's not what they necessarily look for. It's about making sure that we've got the right people with the right jobs who can really make a difference. Okay, brilliant. So, um, very finally, what would you say will be the main thing, I'll go through each of you um, separately, will be the main thing that will define your year as chair of, of your college? Start with you, Michael. I'd say getting things done. Mm -hmm. Let's stop talking, let's get things done. Okay, Gareth? Um, personally, I think James has a reputation of being a very good college, 
And I think over the last few years, it's been slacking a bit. I want to bring that right back up again and, you know, leave it. If when I ever leave this position, say this was the year that it really turned around for James. I just want to focus and make sure the committee has a great year, has fun doing it and come out of it with a huge sense of achievement because it's they, they, everyone has a lot to do. And I just want to support them and make sure they achieve as much as they can do and have fun doing it. Okay, great. Well, we wish you all the best of luck. Michael, Gareth um, and Ben, thank you very much for joining us thank in the studio today. You. Thanks. The URY News Hour with Ben Basin. This is to the URY News Hour, 13 minutes past six now. Uh, a new website called RateMash has been in the news after being slammed by the NUS. On RateMash, people's Facebook profile pictures are uploaded onto the website, often without permission, and the public are then asked to rate them in order of attractiveness. Well, we contacted RateMash for a statement but received no reply. The website has been causing quite a stir at other universities and has just hit York. So how much of an impact has it had here? Well, John Su Yi and Callum Shannon have been investigating. If you weren't aware, there's a new website called RateMash, which is in the ascendancy, and it just hit York. It was branded by the NUS as a stalker's dream, according to officers from at least four different student unions, namely UCL, Kings, Wolverhampton, and Sussex. But what do you two think of the new phenomenon? Here's George Offer, the UCL welfare officer. When did Yusu first become aware of RateMash? I don't really remember as such. It sort of drifted in over the last month or two and news picked it up quite recently with a big story. Yeah, so it's it's just floated in. It's pretty concerning that it is affecting our students. And what's Yusu's policy towards it at the moment? Um, essentially, uh, as I'm sure you can understand, it's massively objectifying um, and pretty concerning that it has access to your personal photos and everything on Facebook. So, for the record, we have been very much against the website, particularly if it's invading the privacy of our students. What's your personal opinion on RateMash? Uh, well, uh, chatting to uh, people in my job in other unions, um, it's not affected York nearly as much as other places, which is, is really positive to see. But personally, I mean, it is objectification and arguably an invasion of your privacy. I mean, there's Facebook's ridiculous privacy policy thrown in there somewhere, but I don't know why it exists and um, it seems like a bit of a waste of website, to be honest. What would you say was the magnitude of the problem on campus? Have you had a lot of students approached you about it? Well, as far as we know, although pretty concerning, it's not been a massive issue in York, but I should add that um, any students that are affected do need to get in touch with Facebook straight away. Emailing Facebook is probably the best way to go around it, as they're the ones in charge of the privacy. As far as I'm aware, they are investigating at the moment. Um, but the more complaints they receive, the better, really. Okay, and um, you briefly mentioned that it was worse at other universities. Can you tell me about the scale of the problem there? Well, um, I don't really know anything in much detail, but having just mentioned it to uh, welfare officers at other unions, um, chat sometimes, it just seems that it's affecting their students far more far more widely or actually more in-depth, uh, where it's actually caught on as a website, um, and people seem to pay a bit of attention, which doesn't seem worth the effort, to be honest. What do students of York think about this incident? We caught up with Tom Davies, who, according to RateMash is the 35th most attractive man on the campus. We asked him how he first heard about the website. Um, it's actually a vaguely interesting story. I was uh, playing poker at the house of uh, some of the people I lived with them in first year, and uh, this girl who I'd lived with came down the stairs and said, uh, have you ever heard of RateMash, Tom? And I said, no. And she said, well, technically, you're, according to this, you're the 39th most attractive man at this university. So, uh, obviously, the initial reaction then is well, to feel a bit smug and go, oh, right, get in, yes. I mean, uh, yeah, that's how I found out. Okay, so you were quite pleased that you were on it? Well, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little bit pleased. I mean, obviously, in hindsight, with analysis of it, it's perhaps not the most accurate league table of attractiveness at the university. I mean, um, there's about 7,000 men at this university, and we've all been out on Wednesday night sports socials and <laughs> seen what some of them look like, and I find it very hard to believe that I... Well, I was 39th then. I'm actually technically, I think I've been moved up to. I'm 37th now. But uh, You were 35 at the time of the recording. 35 at the time of the recording. Well, I'm, I'm glad to see that um, there are people out there coming and repping this up. If we go on this rate, I should be top by February. So uh, that's that's good news. But no, I mean, I wouldn't, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little bit chuffed in a strange story. I mean, it's it's quite funny, I mean, to me and to, to about it. But I mean, I can understand why some people would be less pleased, particularly, I mean, obviously, with the way it is, there's obviously people's Facebooks are publicly on there and it can be seen to be a bit sleazy, a bit kind of like lecherous to have people rating your attractiveness. I mean, just because I'm not particularly fussed. I mean, I can understand why other people might not be quite as happy with it. So why do you think this has caused such a stir in particular? Well, I mean, well, quite simply because, I mean, it, it can be construed as being a bit creepy, a bit weird. I mean, in terms of... I mean, the people are very rightly at the moment have um, 
a certain fear about information on the internet and the accessibility of information on the internet and how people can how easy people can get hold of your details and what people might be doing with that information particularly with things like Facebook and social media so I mean I can understand why this could cause a bit of a fear I mean, I mean when you really think about it it is slightly unsettling in terms of the internet can be I mean in many ways people are very worried and it is in many ways very can be invasive and many ways invasive in quite a sleazy way and uh, I can see why people would be uh, worried about that and quite rightly so but do other students share Tom's opinion we ask other students how they would feel if their photos appear on the website against their permission so are you familiar with rate mash um i heard about it earlier today actually okay and how would you feel if you unexpectedly discovered yourself on the website i'd be pretty shocked but moreover i'd be a bit concerned that my best picture wasn't on there how would you react if you discovered your photo on rate mash I probably wouldn't mind too much. Um, I don't really get worked up about things like that. Like the spotted in the library thing, that didn't bother me. Um, It's probably quite controversial to say that because I know there's going to be a lot of raging feminists who would be outraged if their photo got on there. But I don't really mind. I mean, like, it doesn't bother me. I'd probably say, well done me, and give myself a tap on the back. Uh, If you're putting photos of yourself on the internet and they're not private... The internet is a worldwide accessible resource, so you should think about that before you put them up there. So what do you think of the rate mash? Um, It depends what in context it's for. If it's not so discriminative, it's okay, but it does depend what photos are being put on there. Okay, and how would you react if a photo of you appeared on there? I'd probably find it quite funny, but I'd need to know what photo it was first. So, yeah, it all depends on the photo, to be honest. Well, to be honest, you shouldn't be rating people according to how attractive they are. It's, it's, to be honest, a bit sick in order to be objectifying people like that, and it really promotes the wrong sort of image and is bad for people's self-image. How would you react personally if a photo of you turned up on the website? I wouldn't look at it. I wouldn't even want to look at it. I want to know what people's reactions are to how attractive I am. I want them to know for me for who I am, not about how I look. And finally, here's what George Offer had to say about how you should respond when you unexpectedly find your photo on the website. Um, well, we're more than happy to talk if people want to pop in and see us, talk about it. But the best thing to do really is uh, just email Facebook, get in touch with them. I'm sure they're receiving a large volume of complaints from across the country. As it is, it's a well, I mean, it is a basic invasion, invasion of your privacy. Um, so do get in contact with Facebook, get complaining, and hopefully they'll get it removed. Well, what's your opinion? Do you like Rate Mash? Do you think it's do you think it's quite controversial and they shouldn't be doing this? We'd love to hear you. Get us uh, get on the website uy.org.uk. You can send us a message for free there, or you can give us a text. We're on 07851-101313. It's the URI News Hour, just coming up to 20 minutes past six. Now it was announced this morning that York is to get its own TV channel. The bid to get a local license for the York channel was spearheaded by one another magazine. And it was announced today that Ofcom had awarded York the license. Well, Carol Dove is the commercial director of Heslington Studios, which are based on the Heslington East Campus, and has been heavily involved with the project. She told me a little bit more about it. The York Channel um, is a a concept that we were very excited about um, a couple of years ago when the local television licenses were launched. We wanted to really do something that would act as a, a kind of a window for the city and a a gateway to our region and bring together kind of local residents and visitors to allow everybody to have engagement in all aspects of of, of our lives here. And we thought the local TV channel was was definitely the platform and we were, you know, really, really wanting. Great. So um, this has obviously been quite a success um, in other places uh, around the country, hasn't it? It has. Um, What was originally Channel 7, it's now been turned into Estuary TV, and um, yesterday it was um, uh, the, the channel was the first one to launch in the UK, and it's there on uh, Freeview Channel 8, which is you know incredibly exciting that you can go to your television set and click on Channel 8 and see what's happening in your local area, and that's never been available before. Okay, so how how were you and the university involved in this in this whole bid? Well, the university has been um, incredibly supportive because it recognises the need to uh, provide this kind of structure um, to support you know the the city and the wider region. Um, I have previously run a local television channel in North East Lincolnshire, so I was really happy to get involved with the board um, of uh, One Another TV CIC to help them and um, direct them uh, in order to put together a really comprehensive bid that would give us a really good chance 
of, of getting that licence. So why do you think it's, it's so important that York has its own local TV channel? What do you think it's going to add to the community? I think it's really important for a community to know what's going on in its local area, to be able to be able to ask questions about um, local issues and, and problems, but also to be able to celebrate um, what is happening, to give you know an increased sense of kind of community pride and reflect the lives of real people. So um, what sort of programmes are going to be on this TV channel when it's launched? Presumably quite, uh, quite a lot of news and, and stuff that's going on in the local area. Yeah, there's a lot of news and, and, and current affairs, but we do want to add entertainment, entertainment that's provided by local producers and local people. There will be um, a on health and well-being, we feel that's very important. You know, working with again local providers and the NHS, but to produce information um, and, and television content that's interesting and, and again has got some real depth to it and is about and involves local people. So um, yeah, we, we're going to add in some drama, um, some really interesting entertainment, and bring in some real local people to present on the channel as well. So we we are giving great opportunities, and I think initially the channel will provide about 15 new jobs, and uh, so that'll be incredibly exciting to be able to recruit for those roles. Brilliant! It all sounds very exciting. So when um, will the will the channel actually be launching? Do you think? Well, it will be launching next year. 2014 and we think it will be towards the autumn. I think that's a realistic target for us and there's a lot to do before then um, and I think that is um, a, a sensible date. Carol Doe speaking to me a little bit earlier. UOI News Hour with Ben Basin. Now, on Saturday night, a national campaign reached the streets of York, with more than 100 women taking to the town centre in a bid to reclaim the night. Our reporter, Rachel Venables, was there. Reclaim the Night marches began right here in Yorkshire in 1977, when the Yorkshire River was still at large. Every year since, women-only marches have taken place across the country with an aim to promote female safety and encourage us to talk about issues such as domestic abuse. The event began at 7pm in St Helens Square before marching throughout the city, waving placards, chanting and picking up a few supporters along the way. Hey, hey, ho, ho, sexual violence has got to go. Hey, hey, ho, ho, I'm here to walk the night. I think that it's a really important cause because it's so silent and so hidden, uh, domestic violence, and also psychological violence is even more hidden. And I think that if people aren't here to change something, it's it's going to keep going unnoticed. Certainly intimidation and threatening behaviour, just as a woman trying to access public space, I think approximately 95% of all women experience some form of street harassment or harassment in the public space. It's uh, empowerment, it's giving women a voice and it's a sort of um, stance together to show that the streets are for women too and that, the, that you shouldn't be afraid of walking the streets at night. The event was organised by the Lord Mayor of York herself, Julie Gunnell. I spoke to her towards the end of the evening and asked why she had decided to organise the event in the first place. Everyone has a, a grand, a mother, a sister, a daughter, a niece or a friend that's a, that's a woman. So it's about showing and building that respect, but equally acknowledging that sexual abuse, domestic violence is going on and it needs to be spoken about. Julie's aim was to use Reclaim the Night as the first event in a series of initiatives that will grant the City of York a white ribbon status. The acknowledgement that women and men refuse to condone domestic, psychological or sexual violence. With this in mind, I spoke to Paul Edmondson-Jones, a long-standing supporter of the campaign. And it's very important that we do these things together. So this is really a woman's night about Reclaiming the Night, but it's about men coming with women and saying that we won't condone violence in any form. Of course. And I see you've brought someone with you tonight as well. Yep. Can you can you tell me about that? I can. This is Jack. This is my son. Um, and Jack's seven. Um, and he's now been on six marches. It's really important that we remember it's about young boys growing up and young boys growing up understanding that violence against women is not acceptable. Rachel Venables reporting there on Reclaim the Night. Well, feminists in York have also been speaking out recently with the start of a petition to block the renewal of Mansion's strip club licence. URY's Karis Brain has this story. Thanks, Ben. Yes, a petition has been started by feminists in York to reject the renewal of Mansion's club 
uh, to their, their lease to have a strip club. Mansion hosts the lap dancing club upstairs and its license is up for renewal on the 30th of November. The online petition by the York Feminist Network hopes to block the York City Council from renewing the club's license. It states in the petition that lap dancing clubs have no place in our community. They promote sexist stereotypes, create no-go areas for women and local residents and impact negatively on the character and reputation of York as a welcoming, family-friendly city. But the petition does not represent the views of all feminists, with one member of the University of York Feminist telling York Vision that it ignores the reality and focuses on maintaining a moral, glossy facade. I went out and spoke to some students to see if they were bothered by the idea of strip clubs in York. I understand why they'd object, and I definitely strongly agree with them, but then if people want to go to a strip club, then I suppose that's their own business. Renew the licence, let them do what they want. The women who work there, work there. they're not getting a gun put in their head. They enjoy it most of the time. And who is for anyone else to say what anyone else wants to do? Leave them alone. Well, I think they're welcome to object to it. Obviously, they're not illegal, so I think they should renew it unless there's an overwhelming majority saying not in the community. I guess I think it's demeaning for women, but it's only the women doing it, really. I think it's other people thinking what other people think when really it's their own lives, they can choose what they want to do. Um, so, Karis, this is obviously a scheme organised by the York Feminists, who are a city-based um, um, scheme. Um, so, what do you think? Do you think there's an appetite among students for this this licence not to be renewed in Mansion? I don't really think so. I think that um, obviously, from even what the York Feminists have said, they don't really seem to support it. It seems to kind of be fighting an unnecessary battle. I think a lot of students, kind of, as we've heard in, um, from there, they just have the opinion that. People should be allowed to do what they want. It's a conscious decision. If you decide that you as a woman are okay or you're fine to work in that kind of establishment, if you want to visit it, it's not for a small minority to necessarily dictate what everybody else thinks and does. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, thank you very much, Karis. Um, if you've got an opinion on that story, do you think that the, the strip club licence for Mansion should be renewed or not? Certainly the York feminists think that it shouldn't be. Um, let us know by messaging us on the website, uryy.org.uk, or you can get us, uh, you can text us on 07851 101 313. It's 6.30. Still to come tonight, we're looking into the controversy over blacking up, which sparked York Vision's last cover page. Are students offended by it? Also, we'll be hearing from Callum Taylor as um, about how Yusu marked Alcohol Awareness Week. First, though, your latest local news headlines with Claire Thomas. UOI News Hour with Ben Basin. Thank you. Thank you very much, Claire. It's 32 minutes past six. You listen to the UOI News Hour with me, Ben Basin. Well, you can't have missed the controversy recently over York Vision's front page article in their latest edition last week. With the headline Eaton Mess, they reported on York students who blacked up for Halloween as characters from the film Cool Runnings. Only one of the students involved in the incident was actually from Eton, and the damage caused to Derwent accommodation was in a separate incident, something which some people argue the paper didn't make clear enough. Well, at the end of the week, it emerged that Mike Ancy had blacked up in the past for fancy dress events, and he consequently resigned from his position as Yusu International Officer. Well, earlier, we talked to Yusu President Callum Taylor for his take on the whole scandal. Well, as we always say, and as we always practice, our campus media have more free reign than pretty much any campus media in this country. So, of course, we give the, the paper that initially reported on it as much free reign as possible. I personally disagree with the focus on those boys' backgrounds. I think the focus on the boys' background certainly inflamed the issue somewhat and it took attention away from what the actual debate should have been about. But uh, we've made those views clear already, as have many other students. So that kind of muddied the waters somewhat. Do you, do you feel that there is a debate on this subject? Uh, absolutely. Um, it's one of those things where you always hear people say, yeah, is it really that bad though? And all, and all that kind of thing. And, and you have to say to yourself, well, yes it is. In any, in any collective society, so you might see the York student population is 17,000 students in one collective society under one membership. And you'd have to say that if, even if like 5% of those 17,000 students feel slightly uncomfortable with what they're seeing, 
and that kind of thing is allowed to go, then the conclusion you have to reach is that that collective society is somehow institutionally racist. And people might say, oh, it's only overreacting, blah, 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 blah. It's not overreacting. What I would say to that is, for the last couple of centuries, or for the last few centuries, societies have underreacted to this kind of slightly mocking attitude towards non-white people or LGBTQ people or disabled people. So I think society now, with, with common like social media and, I don't know, we're all slightly more educated than what we were two or three hundred years ago, society is almost reigning in on these things now. So I get the fact that for some people it might not necessarily seem a problem, but you have to take into account history and that in some people's lifetimes still there were shows where people blacked up in a mocking manner towards... Um, people of certain races and um you know, you have to take into account the fact that it was Halloween, so there's yeah. a, an added element there. A question that I have uh, is maybe where does Yusu or you personally, where do you draw the line at, at, at getting involved disciplinary matters with this? Well, because lots of things on campus go un. Uh, well, this is true, yeah, um, and you can't police what you don't see or hear about. But it's, it's that simple. We're not, we're, I know we're getting better and better at detecting these things, the same way we are of crazy initiation ceremonies and sports teams. But um, anything that's disciplinary has to come through the university. You, the use who cannot discipline students. We can discipline groups, sports teams, societies and all of that, but we can't discipline students. On where I draw the line, my personal opinion, my personal opinion is if you don't have to offend someone, then just don't do it. So, is this so-called blacking up offensive, or is it just a bit of fun if it's not meant in a discriminatory way? Well, George Lane went out onto campus to gauge the opinion of students. I don't think so, no. Although I don't regard it as being particularly offensive, I don't think. I'd find it certainly unsuitable. It's not that funny, and it's very obvious that it's offensive, to be honest. There's no reason for it. So, no, I wouldn't. I don't think Blackingham offends me at all. I haven't got a problem with it. I think it's just a bit light-hearted fun and people are taking things a bit too seriously. Quite a lot of different opinions there. Well, what's your take on the matter? Let us know on the website, uri.org.uk. Send us a message there for free. Listen to the URI News Hour. It's 25 to 7. Now, you might not have noticed, but last week was Alcohol Awareness Week, a national campaign to get people thinking about the dangers of alcohol. Well, URI's Ben Smith has been talking to UCU President Callum Taylor about how UCU embraced the week. Hi, I'm uh, URI's Ben Smith, and I'm joined here with UCU President Callum Taylor. You all right, Callum? Not bad, not bad. Um, it was uh, Alcohol Awareness Week last week, I'm, uh, I've been told, and this year's, um, this year's theme was conversations about alcohol. So uh, what, what has uh, Yusu been doing last week to uh, raise awareness for alcohol? Well, we didn't want to do anything too overbearing because I think that can put people off in a way. So we tried to take like a gently, gently approach. So we were outside the nightclubs on every official student night last week giving out cups of water and on the Thursday night we give out some nice fancy bottles of water with Yusu branding on them. And um, if anything, the water is just a gimmick. The main thing is speaking to students on the way out, explaining like you know a, a good bit of water after a night out or indeed during a night out can really help with a hangover. And that, of course, that makes people laugh a little bit, but it's also very, very true. And it's also, it was just quite nice to be out there and see how people were doing. We were able to help out with a few students who had had too much outside the nightclubs. Uh, so it was a bit of an eye-opener opener for the sabbatical officers as well uh, to actually see the work the bouncers put in on the door and to see some of the states that our members do end up getting into. Bear in mind, I'm only talking about two or three people here. Um, but... Uh, yeah, still, we need to do a bit more to basically say to people, be careful because you could end up anywhere, really, you know what I mean? I guess one of the concerns that uh, one might voice about about the handing bottles out at the end of the night, is, is this the right time to be get to be addressing conversations about alcohol in a serious way, or is a more sort of sober chat about alcohol maybe, well, maybe the better way to go? Well, uh, definitely, in, in terms of like raising awareness, the way to do it isn't necessarily to get people on the end of the night, but it's certainly... They might wake up the next day and see the cup or the bottle next to their bed and think, oh, actually, yeah, that's pretty cool. But, I mean, throughout the year, we're always basically asking students to play it safe. It should never be focused on one week, which is another reason why I want to see this kind of thing brought in on a you know, compulsory basis across the year next year. But that won't be my decision to make. Um, but, yeah, we're always putting out advice to students and 
we're always looking at how the nights go and if, if there was a particularly bad night with a number of bad incidences we do make an extra effort to go out there to the right people and the right crowds to say listen this has gone way too far play it, play it carefully because you're not just ruining your own nights you're ruining other people's nights as well so it's not just about the week itself do you know what I mean George especially there's a lot of work in that area so it's uh, I guess uh, a concern that uh, people that I've asked about alcohol awareness week was maybe a lack of awareness because uh, I've asked yeah. myself and housemates and they weren't aware that last week was alcohol awareness week so well, has the week actually actually served the purpose has I'll, it raised I'll, I'll be honest with you I wasn't aware about alcohol awareness week until the week before the week um it's someone somewhere decides it. I think it's a charity I forget the name but uh, we, we, we got the tip off from one of our staff members and we're like well let's do something at the very least um, so we put out like loads of beer mats as well in our campus bars uh, which have like good night bad night and different like slogans which show the flip side of either either situation and they're like slightly thought provoking just to say you know watch yourself type thing but uh, as with anything on this campus it's hard to get the message out Um I mean, there, there were campaigns running on all kinds of matters and not enough students know about them. Not enough students will ever know about them. It's always, always chasing more and more and more every year. Um, so I'm not overly surprised. Maybe we should have found out earlier or got the tip off earlier and put more plans in place. Um, in fact, we really should have done. But this term's been mental and I'm sure the thing you're going to ask me about in a minute might justify the reasons why we were so... <laughs> late in getting sorted out for alcohol awareness because we've had a number of other matters which have took up too much of our time this term and especially this last two weeks so would it be fair to say that maybe alcohol awareness week wasn't UC's finest hour I wouldn't say it's the finest hour but I'd say I'd certainly say it's done nothing wrong if it has helped to an extent but not to the extent we would have liked it to have done so a missed opportunity definitely Callum Taylor talking to Ben Smith a little bit earlier it's 6.40, time for your latest sports news with Mitch Holder-Mansfield. Thanks, Ben. The 2013 UK Snooker Championships got underway yesterday at the Barbican Centre in York. This year's event sees all 128 players entering the tournament at the first round stage after a new change in the format. Previously, the top 16 players had been given automatic qualification to the last 32 stage. Earlier today, I spoke to World Snooker Press Officer Ivan Hershevitz to get his thoughts on the fortnight of competition ahead and what the new format means for the event as a spectacle. Um, well, I think for a start, it's, um, in terms of the, from the fans' perspective, it means the tournament is four days longer. It used to start on the Saturday and now starts on the Tuesday. Um, and it means that there's 128 players at the venue rather than 32 as we had before. So just in those two facts, you know, that's a, that's a great advantage for the fans who want to come along and see more snooker and see more players. You know, and of course all the big names are here, like Sabrina Sullivan and Mark Selby and Neil Robertson. Um, but it's also um, some of the lower rank guys um, who people might not have had the chance to see live before. And and you know, I think what people will notice over the over the two weeks of the tournament is how high the standard is. You know, even right down the bottom of the ranking list. You know, even when you go outside the top 100, um, there's so much um, great snooker being played, um, which previously has only been seen in, in the qualifiers and some of the European Tour events. So to bring all of those players to one of the biggest events as the William Hill Dotcom UK Championship is, um, such a great venue at the York Barbican, um, it's just a great opportunity for, for people to see see so many players and, and also for the television audience to see some of the players they before. Excellent. You mentioned there, of course, the, the fans and the atmosphere. Talking of which, I understand there's a special student deal on tickets. Can you tell us a little more about that? You know, we've, what we've done um, for the whole of this season for many of our events is introduced a new uh, a new special deal for students where it's only £5 for them to come and watch snooker for a whole day on Tuesday. So any Tuesday um, um, at this event, the UK Championship or the Masters, the World Championship, the Welsh Open, um, any of our big events which we stage in the UK, they can come along on a Tuesday um, just to fiver and spend a whole day watching snooker and seeing all the best players in the world. So I think that's phenomenal value for money, especially when you compare... Um, compare it to some of the other big sports. You know, if you wanted to go and watch a Premier League football match or tennis or golf, you know, you'd probably be shelling out upwards of 50 quid. So, 
um, to be able to come and watch the best snooker players in the world for a full day for five is, um, is something that I hope to see students um, taking advantage of that. On to the sporting action itself, predictions, who's the man to beat? Um, I think most people are saying there's three players who are maybe a little bit ahead of the rest of the bunch at the moment. Um, that's Ronnie O'Sullivan, the world champion. Um, I think a lot of players would say it's always the man to beat. Plus he won the champion of champions event in Coventry last week. So he's obviously in form. And you've got Neil Robertson, the world number one, who's been the most consistent player in the world over the last couple of years, hence his um, significant lead on the top of the world rankings. And then you've got Ding Junhui, the Chinese player, and he's won the last three ranking events, which is an incredible achievement. Uh, nobody's done that since Stephen Hendry back in the early 90s. So, um, so again, he's, um, he's really at the top of his game. Um, so I think those three you probably um, say are the uh, are favourites, but then, you've, of course, you've got many others like Mark Selby and Mark Allen and mm. um, Stephen Maguire and, and, and so many others. You know, I think there's probably at least 10 or 12 players who really fancy having a, a great chance of winning a tournament. I also asked Ivan whether or not the recent match-fixing scandal involving Stephen Lee should deter spectators and snooker fans. Um, well, I think I think the um, the positive thing to come out of the whole Stephen Lee affair was the way the WPDS they dealt with it very firmly mm. um, and in a very transparent manner. Um, and hopefully, the message that's been sent out is um, is a, is a very strong deterrent against that kind of thing. Um, and I think uh, I think we can all move forward from that. Snooker um, is a clean sport, um, and yeah, I don't think that should be any sort of deterrent to the to the bunters. Finally, Ivan, you mentioned how satisfied you were with the York Barbican as a as a venue for the event. Do do you see the Barbican as being the, the long-term home for the UK Snooker Championships? So you'll be back next year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, um, for the foreseeable future, we'll be in York. In Bucks news now, where the University of York women's water polo team got their season off to a stunning start on Sunday night, overcoming both Manchester and Lancaster at home 20-0 and 11-0 respectively. The men's team were also victorious today, thrashing Manchester seconds 26-0. I was joined earlier by the captains of both teams, Hannah Carter and Gabriel Kramer, to find out why water polo might be the sport for you. Um, it was brilliant. I was quite worried to start off with about the stand of the teams because although in previous years we had beaten or drawn with the teams, it was often quite close. And to beat them to such an amount was, I don't know, it was just shocking. It was really amazing. And we were just looking forward to Roses this year as well because beating Lancaster 11-0 at the start of the season, I think, I don't know, it's just a great start. So you got two wins in one day. From what I can tell, water polo looks like a physically demanding sport. How much of a challenge is it playing twice in one day, both mentally and physically even? Um, it is quite tough because even when you're not on the ball, everyone who's swimming around, you're pretty much being pulled down by your opponents the whole time and spend a lot of time underwater and grasping for breath. The team have trained really hard and a lot of people play other sports or hit the gym quite a lot to try and stay in shape because, I don't know, wouldn't you agree, it's just... It's probably the most physically de demanding sport I've ever played. Right, and Gabriel, you've just come back from a fixture, I understand. How did you get on? Yeah, we um, we played a Bucks fixture against Manchester Seconds and um, we beat them 26-0. I mean, respect to them for coming down and staying through the match. Uh, and it wasn't it wasn't our hardest match. Um, it's probably the easiest match we'll have this year, in fact, because we've we've been promoted recently. Um, we won our Bucks League last year um, and we've been promoted into the Big Boy League and they are big boys. Um, we're... A relatively small in stature team um, we've got the numbers uh, in training at the moment but uh, we don't quite have the physicality which is why we've been benefiting recently from gym work um, uh, in the new high performance gym which is great okay well congratulations on that note um, you mentioned that the new gym facility is available but you guys also have access to a, a brand new effectively brilliant pool at the sports village how important is that Hannah for the society oh I think it's um, absolutely vital we've had a lot of um, a part because we're part of swimming and water polo we've had a lot of the swimmers come through who are sort of at national level and things like that and I don't think they would have thought about the university without seeing the fantastic facilities and um, we've also luckily enough um, got a GB junior water polo player as well this year and again I'm not sure if she would have considered the university that seriously without seeing the wonderful sports facilities we now have. She made, she made quite an impact on the weekend uh, in the girls' team. She was, she's, she's... We've improved so much. Going from about sort of two, three years ago, when I joined, there pretty much wasn't really a squad. And from mm. doing that to last year, winning our division in Upolo, the other division that we play, and getting to go to nationals there. And then this year, it looks like, well, hopefully we'll be promoted in Bucks 
and so go after division, which would be absolutely fantastic within two years to come this far. Excellent. Well, you guys seem to be doing really well. For anyone listening that might be inspired to get involved, Gabriel, absolutely. how can they do that? Yeah, so come down to training sessions. Uh, if you're a guy, uh, come down on uh, Monday uh or Friday at 9pm uh, we actually start warm up at 8.50 um, got a great coach friendly bunch of guys to play polo with um, I mean one might be put off it's not it's not a traditionally seen as quite an acceptable uh, uh, an accessible sport I mean it's, it's swimming not running it's quite hard to pick it up compared to like hockey or something where you a lot of people who run anyway can go in and play or just pick up the skills uh, because it requires swimming uh, as a basis um, but it doesn't require the same finesse that the swimming team do um, in your actual swimming ability and you can quite pick quickly pick up the fitness um, and the ball skills that you need um, in the pool Elsewhere, the shortlist for next month's 60th BBC Sports Personality of the Year Award was announced last night. Men's Wimbledon champion Andy Murray leads the list of 10 contenders, with double world athletics champion Mo Farah a distant second favourite with bookmakers. There has been some criticism of the presence of just two women on the shortlist, athletes Christina Horogu and Hannah Cockcroft, compared with the five included last year. Back to you, Ben. The UOI News Hour with Ben Basin. Thank you very much, Mitch. Mitch Holder-Mansfield there with your latest sports news. It's just coming up to 10 to 7. You're listening to the ULY News Hour. Now, this week, Noose has come out, and ULY News editor George Lane joins me in the studio to discuss some of the more interesting stories that they brought up in their latest edition. So, George, what's taken your eye this, this week? Uh, well, I suppose you have to mention at first their front page. Uh, it's all about the health centre under fire amid claims that they're dismissive of attitudes towards mental illness. Now, this is a point to which they've decided to lead on this week, uh, this issue, and it's probably something that we're going to hear a little bit more of over the next few weeks after Christmas as well, with the... uh, I'm sure Thomas Ron will have an opinion on it as well. Uh, Basically, they're trying to say that the the GPs are, are very good at dealing with physical illnesses and physical problems but when it comes to mental um, problems they are not as supportive as they would like to be so that's something that we've led on which I think is good to uh, good to comment on for Noose but over the page there is an issue with Vamra Football paying back supposedly a debt of £1,250 uh, but the reason I picked this up as quite an interesting story is, is this is a newspaper it's in the news section um, but to me it doesn't really seem to be that newsworthy what we're reporting on um, is something that again it's, it's, it's everything to do with the whole debt situation it's been mentioned a lot Vamra's obviously had this debt for last year and I think it's just news trying to get a quick and easy story out of it the, the paying back this debt just, just seems really uninteresting because basically the football team have decided to to pay off the debt to Bambra and so there's really no problem at all so it's it, it seems a bit of a bit of a waste of story really is it a bit of a non-story do you think yeah I think so I think basically they're trying to take advantage of all the whole debt crises that we've had and basically just any prop- possible opportunity of mentioning the word debt again they want to put it in the paper so to me it's a bit of a non-story but that's just my opinion um, what is quite important and what I think is a good headline um, and over the pages University Boat Club left deflated this is a story all about how the uh, boat team were potentially sabotaged when we were doing some of their training all their bikes uh, wheels and bike what do you call them little tyres tyres that's what they're called that's the one they, they were all deflated and whether this was a, a unique accident or whether it was a bit of sabotage by potentially local residents who are a little bit annoyed with them training that was a, a better story to have obviously we're doing well with the York sport um, in terms of the Rowing, I can't get my words. So the suggestion isn't there that that, that someone, a local, um, is not pleased about them making a lot of noise early in the morning when they're practicing, and and as a spiteful move, decided to deflate their tyres. Is that right? Yeah. Well, the fact of the matter is, obviously, it did happen, um, and there is this sort of suggestion that it could have been sabotage, but ultimately, it was a great way for news to um, kind of applaud and say what a good job the rowing team are doing at the moment, because currently. there was five people who went towards the trials in for Great Britain. Um, although we didn't get through to the next stage, it just it's a good way of them being able to uh, applaud the successes of them, which is fantastic. And then later on, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna draw a little bit of criticism again. There's a how flammable is your college? We always love a good story from news telling how your building is gonna set love on fire, a good and, fire and, and, how, and how it's <laughs> and how your building's full of our best dust. But the way they uh, they put together this 
uh, report was a bit questionable. Basically, they judged how vulnerable your college is on basically the amount of fires it's already had, which is a fair way to judge it. However, just because you're used to having a lot of fires doesn't mean you're going to have more. And um, also, am I right in saying that the figures that Noose obtained actually only went back to 2007? Yeah, it's, it's not the biggest sort of... If even if you're going to use statistics that show how many pa fires there have been in the past, at least go back 50 years. But for now, uh, they haven't done anything actual, any scientific experiments as to how likely your building is to So a little bit fire. of a um, misleading headline, perhaps. How flammable is your college? Potentially, potentially. But it's still news, and it's it's a good paper all around. There's lots of interesting articles around, and I'm sure there'll be comments being posted online, and the more news story is going to be coming on in the next few weeks. But it's, it's all about, I think this issue is all about trying to build on the Freedom Information Act that we've been so famously used to doing. There's not many of those around anymore. It's trying to go back to good old-fashioned news journalism, and maybe, maybe they're just trying to make some of the issues a little bit more exciting than they are um, but also making £20,000 university tuition fees sounds like something that's going to happen um, that's an interesting debate which we've uh, touched upon as well in the news but overall very interesting issue a lot of issues that are off topic and interesting but uh, no big stories that are going to take uh, national news which is obviously the, the fame that Vision managed right. to do last week so no controversies in in news this nothing time nothing too big at all Ben okay well if thank you very much George if you'd like to read a copy of news it's out on campus now you are our news hour with Ben Basin Finally, on tonight's UOI News Hour, our very own UC President Callum Taylor could, could being the op operative word, be in the new Star Wars film. He auditioned for the movie in Manchester earlier this month and got through to the second round, and he's still waiting for a phone call to see if he has been cast. Well, UOI's Ben Smith talked to Callum a little bit earlier. I heard on the news that um, they were auditioning and uh, I, I used to do a lot of acting in sixth form in high school and I really, really miss it. So I thought I'd give it a go and I'm a massive Star Wars fan. It was literally a complete long shot, obviously. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, if you don't buy a ticket, you don't win the raffle. And um, it's a bit of a laugh as well. That's so. fantastic. Uh, what, what was the process like for those of us who aren't really aware of what well, it takes? Well, mainly queuing, a lot of queuing uh, <laughs> for hours on end. And then there's like three different stages once you're in. Most people don't even get to them. But... Um, yeah, you basically, they basically have a look at how you look uh, and judge you on that. It's quite cold in a way, but I suppose they have to be brutal with so many people. Then they basically, I think they look at, well, see how you speak. I mean, my accent doesn't really help. I didn't get past the second stage, but my little brother did, uh, and he got to the third stage. Um, they said they might call me, but I know they really won't because Carl got through to the next stage and they said they, they were very well likely to give him a call. And in the third stage, they basically ask you questions, why you, why you did audition, what do you think about Star Wars, who your favourite actor is and stuff like that. So uh, maybe safe to say that you, uh, we won't be seeing you on this big screen in 2015. You, you won't be seeing a Scouse Jedi Knight just yet. <laughs> Thanks very much, Callum. Callum Taylor talking to Ben Smith a little bit earlier. Well, that's about it for the URY News Hour for tonight. Don't forget, if you've missed any of tonight's show, you can listen back on the URY player. That's on our website, urry.org.uk. Uh, we'll be back at the same time next week. That's 6 p.m. Wednesday here on URY. In the meantime, keep up to date on our website, urry.org.uk, or on Facebook, facebook.com slash urry1350, or you can follow us on Twitter. We're at urry1350 on there. For now, though, we'll leave you with the latest URY news headlines with Karis Brain. URY.